Marshmallow! And welcome to the third of three recordings of this, whatever this is. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Loya, and I'm sharing um, a bit about my spiritual journey and some of the insights I've had along the way on personal development, spiritual awakening, and the nature of reality. And I hope to make these introductions weirder and weirder as I go on and get more comfortable speaking into my phone. Feels very self-indulgent, but I'm going with it. So, last time I left off, um, well, I examined a little bit about my intentions and ulterior motives behind this sneaky series of recordings that my ego has decided to make. Um, so hopefully that uh, maybe gives you some more insights into what this is about for me um, and maybe gives you some insights into some things that you're thinking about doing yourself and um, examining some of your own motivations behind that. But anyway, I left off talking a little bit about how um, my last startup endeavor, some of the motivations behind that, and, uh, and sort of the tribulations at the end where I decided, um, or my co-founder decided to move on, um, and I kind of was left at this point where I thought it was horrible and the world was crumbling, but really it was actually life giving me some space to reevaluate and check myself, which was very, very needed at that time. Um, so kind of continuing on that note, um, so my co-founder leaving really, again, gave me the space to really re-examine some of my intentions behind this whole endeavor. And uh, I talked to uh, a very wise uh, business mentor slash life mentor of mine, uh, Ryan Rutan. Um, shout out to him because hopefully he'll be listening to this recording at some point. <laughs> um, and he helped me examine like my motivations behind this business from a bigger perspective. So instead of just like I think what a, what a normal business mentor would do would sort of advise you right on how to make your business successful right that seems pretty obvious. Um, but I think what separates a really good business mentor from a really great business mentor is someone that can take a step back and realize that this business is not just about the business being successful, this business is happening within the context of a person and their life. And um, luckily, um, I had someone that had not only the business acumen, but the life acumen to be able to see what was really going on. And uh, yeah, they basically just uh, called me out on a few things, and um, I don't even probably they probably don't even remember the conversation, but they helped me understand that uh, a lot of what I was they kind of re-examined. Okay, why are you even doing this business? And I kind of listed off a bunch of things. Well, I like having this creative expression and being able to create my um, my own kind of lifestyle and have the freedom and have the autonomy and all this kind of stuff. And um, they, and that's also a lot of the reasons why I left um, the corporate world and the nine to five grind. Um, but then they also helped me realize that 
a lot of the things I didn't like about my job in the corporate world, I was actually creating a lot of those same expectations and uh, things I didn't like about it on, I was, and putting them on myself in my own company, except this time I didn't have uh, a boss to blame or a company to blame. I only had myself to blame because I just did, made that all for myself. Um, and he basically helped me recontextualize uh, what the purpose of this whole business was and realizing that um, I'm not really working for myself because, I mean, I am working for myself, which, is, which was the problem. Um, this whole be your own boss thing, I think that's not a really good mindset to have it have with it because being your own boss is very, very tiring because I'm a really demanding boss for myself. And uh, I ended up working probably twice as, much, twice as many hours as I ever did in the corporate world and had probably twice as much stress as I did um, versus just doing my own business. Albeit, it was much more interesting and much more exciting, so I didn't mind working as many hours, but nonetheless, it wasn't exactly the lifestyle I wanted. So he kind of introduced me to this concept of um, you working for your business versus your business working for you. And uh, kind of a little bit of a light bulb went off and I realized I needed to think about this not just in the context of what to do with this business, but first figure out what the fuck I wanted to do with my life and then let my business adapt to that. And it sounds very subtle and can sound very obvious, but in this kind of like one track mind Silicon Valley brainwashed mode that I was in um, of you have to build a company, you have to scale it, you have to get investors, you have to get fundraising, you have to uh, whatever, all, this, all the things that you're supposed to do. Follow the lean startup methodology, go fast, break things, fail, blah, 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 blah. I was so caught up in all that and all the freaking books that I read <laughs> and I kind of forgot to put all of that in the context of my life goals and what, what I wanted for my life. So that kind of helped me zoom out a little bit. And um, I was like, okay, you know what? Putting this whole freaking thing on hold for a bit. And I just, I basically just uh, partially per my, my roommate's uh, recommendation, um, something that he had, he had done many times before. I booked a, a cabin in uh, Big Sur, California, just a few hours from where I lived. And I, Decided to go there for a few days and uh, no cell phone service, no Wi-Fi, um, just basically spent the weekend up there um, meditating, journaling, um, just kind of doing nothing, <laughs> like taking two hours to cook and eat a meal, um, going for walks, all that kind of stuff. And uh, the theme that kept coming up during that weekend was this sort of anxiety that I'd had my whole life that I'd sort of put on the back burner. I, I kind of called it my red pill anxiety, if, if you've ever seen The Matrix. Um, that was another way of kind of describing what these moments felt like to me. Um, it was, if you haven't seen The Matrix, it's a basically a dystopian reality in which machines have sort of taken over the world and they've hooked up all the humans up to this sort of software program in which they think that they're experiencing reality, but really they're just experiencing this software program created by the machines. And the machines basically use the humans as batteries, <laughs> use their energy as batteries to fuel themselves. Um, and essentially, 
I felt like Neo. <laughs> and it's funny, and I, I, I just throw this out there on a little bit of side note, not to get too sidetracked, but I feel like a lot of people, they have a certain movie or a certain story or a certain fairy tale or a certain character or TV show or something that really resonated with them as a child. And that kind of becomes, <laughs> that sort of a foreshadow a little bit of their story. And it's funny because I've rewatched The Matrix uh, recently and I've realized all of these tiny subtleties that I didn't pick up the first time, or the first few times, that have uh, basically foreshadowed everything that's happened in my life since then. So really funny side note, but um, aside from that, this, uh, this red pill anxiety, I'd, I'd call it that because it felt like in these moments, my entire reality and my entire world basically was an illusion or didn't exist. Um, everything was fake basically. And, um, and it felt like I'd have a kind of a glimpse of that and then I'd be thrown right back into the matrix and that's what would cause these panic attacks. That's just another way of explaining, explaining it. But basically that, that's just what came kept coming up in this weekend at the cabin. It was, it was, God, what, what, I don't know what this thing is, but I, I got this suspicion that whatever this is, is at the bottom of, of this whole mess I'm in, <laughs> of all the messes I'm in and of all the messes I've ever been in, whatever this is, I, I got to figure this out. And, and it's really amazing. If you haven't done something like this before, I'd highly recommend it. Oftentimes we're kind of trained that when we have sort of confusion about something or a decision about something, we immediately try to engage the mind and figure it out. Um, however, the, the mind that got itself into the problem is not the mind that's going to get itself out. And again, this, this comes back to having that, that humbleness um, or realizing how stupid we are um, in a non-self-deprecating way. Uh, and just realizing our own, our own limitations of our own mind would maybe be a nicer way of saying it. And, uh, and realizing that we actually have many different levels to the mind. And the conscious mind, um, the one that's usually talking in our head and we're identified with and is always figuring things out and planning and weighing and judging and analyzing and all that kind of stuff, that mind isn't useful for all that much. <laughs> it's good for like maybe putting together some spreadsheets and uh, maybe completing some pretty, uh, you know, straightforward logistical tasks. but. Um, Mostly it's not, uh, it's not really meant for more higher level decisions or thinking. Um, so one way to think about it would be uh, if you're building a house, the mind would be a great hammer, but uh, you wouldn't exactly want to draw your architectural drawings with a hammer. Uh, you'd probably want the architect to do that with a pencil. <laughs> um, I don't know if that was a very good analogy, but I'm not very good at metaphors. You'll probably come to know that if you listen to these recordings. But anyway, um, basically, what so what happened in this cabin weekend was my mind, the, the mental activity um, in the normal analytical mind slowed down. Um, so it's not like I gained something that wasn't there before. It was more like the, the interference, <laughs> uh, sort of the noise, the white noise kind of um, dissipated a bit. And I could he I could hear um, or feel um, insights just kind of coming to me uh, more naturally. 
basically. And, that, and that's sort of also almost like a summary of what our intuition is. Um, it's sort of, it, and it feels different than a thought. Um, even though it is a, it is kind of a thought, it feels different and probably would call it more of a, an insight, an epiphany, and it feels like this, ah, aha, I get it. Or kind of like that moment when you were maybe in a math class or science class or something like that, and you really didn't get something, and then, and like you're working on this problem and you just couldn't figure it out. Or I don't know if you've, any of you have ever been programming or uh, worked on an Excel spreadsheet formula, or maybe you're a writer and got some writer's block and you're just so stuck on it and you're thinking through it, your mind is going crazy. And then finally later in the day, you're in the shower and then boom, it hits you. Oh, I got it. I know how to do it, right? It's kind of like that type of moment. Um, and those types of moments, they're actually not coming from the mind. Um, that was trying to solve the problem before. And that's why the insight comes to us, because it's coming from uh, a deeper level. Um, you can call it the, the subconscious or, um, I don't know, there's all these different names and labels for these things now. But um, that's kind of what it felt like. I had one of those sort of insight moments that came from beyond the mind that was like, okay, Jeremy, you got to figure this thing out. <laughs> so that was sort of my first step <laughs> toward the, the deep end, I, sh I could say, um, first small step. Um, so at that moment, I was like, okay, great insight. Not like I didn't know that before. I've been trying to figure this thing out my whole life. I just don't know how to because these panic attacks, well, they only come up in this strange moment in between waking and sleeping, and they come up kind of randomly. I don't can't really predict them. I mean, they seem to come up more often when you know, shit isn't going well in my life, but um, they're still, it's not like I can just kind of trigger them whenever I want. And uh, there was there was a knowing at this point, at least, that whatever this thing was, the only way to get past it was to actually trigger it and face it. Um, so that's what they might call in psychology exposure therapy. Um, but I realized that there was you know, I'd kind of been into meditation for a while at this point, and I would do all these things like, okay, just accept the anxiety, or just watch the feelings go by, and uh, and that never really worked for me because this was not a normal feeling, thought, sensation. It was, and then I'd kind of come to different. Okay, this is just a chemical reaction in the brain. Um, I don't have to make a whole story about it, and no, that didn't work either. Um, so there, there was. By, sort of by process of elimination, but also as a part of this weekend, there was a direct insight that whatever this was, I had to experience it and go into it and stop. And that my whole life has basically been geared around running away from it. And I had to run towards it. So I was like, okay, cool. How do I run towards that? And um, I tried to do some different meditations that would help me and I, I would try to like experience what it'd be like to die and try to experience infinity and I'll basically try to repeat some of the thoughts that would normally get me into this spiral uh, but it just it never really worked it like maybe kind of scraped on it a little bit or sort of got on the edges of it but it never really got me there um, and I just then I again quieted the mind and I just kind of asked that question like I'm ready to face this. I just don't know how. <laughs> how do I do it? And then, um, yeah, kind of an idea came to me. And it was that 
I had remembered a time when I was 20 and I had done um, magic mushrooms with some friends uh, when we were on spring break, just on the beach, just for fun, um, you know, just kind of messing around. And I remembered this time because we were all just kind of like having a good time, laughing our asses off, making jokes. The sand was softer than it had ever been. The stars were brighter than they ever been. All that good stuff. We're all having a good time. And then all of a sudden things changed for me. <laughs> and uh, that red pill anxiety started creeping up. Um, and it's and unlike um, the other times where I could normally just push it away or use those other coping mechanisms, getting up, splash my face, think about something else, you know, whatever I needed to do to get myself out of that thought spiral, it wouldn't go away no matter what I did. It stayed and stayed and stayed and stayed and stayed. It didn't go maybe as deep or as terrifying as one of the normal ones that I would have, but it was like definitely pretty far in that direction and it wouldn't go away. And that was obviously the last time I had touched <laughs> any sort of uh, psychedelics. And I was like, okay, need to like that was that was the that was a little little taste of the red pill. I need to be taking the blue pill, which in in matrix terminology means I gotta stay in the matrix, stay in this computer generated reality, and not uh, try to peek under the hood, which would be represented by the red pill. Um, and basically, I had I had the idea again many many years later, let's say maybe eight years later, that uh, this was what I had to do. This was the only thing that had, that had brought me to this fear um, and wouldn't let me escape into it. And so that's what I did. I, uh, I read this book called, um, and, and it just, it's funny how looking back on it, everything from that moment, it's like there was a moment at that cabin where I, I had the insight and sort of a commitment to figuring out what the hell this thing was about. Um, and I think, honestly, if I really look back to these chain of events, they're all interconnected, but that was really the turning point. It was the, the moment at that cabin where I had the insight that whatever this freaking, I didn't really know what it was at that point. Whatever this panic attack, red pill anxiety thing was, that was at the source of all this. And I just made this commitment that I'm going to figure this thing out no matter what it takes and fuck everything else until I do. I call it the my, my fuck it moment. And it was kind of like, fuck this business, fuck finding relationships, fuck getting people's approval, fuck success, fuck everything in the world until I figure this thing out. Because, and it, and it, was, <laughs> it was sort of a selfish thought in, in a sense, but it was also a sense that nothing else in my life Everything else in my life, every relationship I have, every endeavor, I, business endeavor I try to do, it's all going to be basically thwarted and overshadowed by this thing, this thing that's looming in the background. Um, and until I figure that out, nothing else is really going to work out for me. <laughs> and I had to see that very clearly and I saw it. So I kind of had that fuck it moment. And honestly, since then, things had kind of come a lot more naturally. Um, there was sort of a commitment that was made in that moment. There was a commitment to figuring this thing out or facing this fear or 
healing this wound, however you want to think about it. But, but it was that commitment. It was that true, not, not like a, I think up until that point, there was always, I was always addressing it, right? It was always on my list of goals. On my list of goals, I had my finances, my career, my, my relationships. And then there was the spiritual thing, which would always have, you know, some things related to this sort of red pill curiosity slash anxiety. So it was related to um, reading books on Eastern philosophy and going to meditation groups and all that kind of stuff. However, there was always just one more goal on the list. It wasn't like, fuck every other goal on this list. This is the goal. There is no other goal. (laughs) So it kind of took me really seeing how it was sabotaging all of these different areas of my life. Um, and it really, I really had to see very directly that I have to figure this out or like kind of like, um, what's the way to put it? It was kind of like, if it takes me the rest of my life to, to figure where this thing out is, I'll spend the rest of my life and die trying to figure it out. Um, it was that level of, of commitment basically. Um, but as soon as that commitment was there, things started to fall into place much more naturally. So when I had that idea about the mushrooms, all of a sudden a friend of mine um, was like, oh, I want to you know, do mushrooms too. And oh, this, this is someone we can get it from. And, and we bought it from someone, that person that we bought it from happened to also give me this book called Psychedelic Explorer's Guide, which gave um, basically a lot of, it was a, written by the Stanford uh, professor who outlined basically how you can use um, mushrooms slash psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in um, magic mushrooms for kind of spiritual, emotional, psychological healing, as opposed to just something fun and recreational, which is not exactly what I was looking for at this point. Um, So that's what we did, read that book, (laughs) pitched a tent on this sort of secluded beach that's sort of my secret spot in San Francisco. And um, me and my buddy, we uh, set very strong intentions about what we wanted to get out of it. Um, mine related to understanding this red pill anxiety and um, having clarity on the next stage in my journey. And um, yeah, so we both took the mushrooms and uh, you know, we, we did our research and preparation beforehand of figuring out what a good dosage would be and um, basically all the prep work before to make it make sure it was a it was a very kind of intentional and purposeful experience and then basically just meditated on on that um, just kind of lie down eyes closed um, versus eyes open which makes a big difference and um, nothing was happening nothing was happening um, and then about 45 minutes in this it was like immediate the switch flipped and the um, panic attack, red pill, anxiety stuff came up full force and it wasn't going anywhere. Um, It was as if, yeah, they see that same moment I described in the first recording, it was as if my entire reality collapsed before my eyes. Every person I'd I'd ever met or or loved um, not only didn't exist, but never existed, um, myself included. Uh, the world as I knew it um, didn't exist. It was all an illusion, all in my head. Um, the fear of death came back up, the comprehension of eternity. Um, all of these things um, 
came up, but they were still being viewed from the perspective of the self or from, or from the ego, I should say. Um, so from the ego, all these insights are very bad news, right? <laughs> I'm going to die. I'm going to be gone forever. I don't really exist. Um, nobody, like all these people that I've thought of as my friends and family don't exist and all this kind of stuff. I'm going to disappear forever for all of eternity. Time is going to move on forever. Um, and it just would not go away. I would curl up in the fetal positions, pulling my hair, you know, moving back and forth. Wouldn't go away, wouldn't go, wouldn't, wouldn't go away. And um, it was very, a very ungraceful <laughs> way of facing this fear, I'll admit. But um, at a certain point, everything opened up. And um, that was basically, after sitting with the fear for so long, um, I can't tell you how it happened or why it happened, um, but after being with the same fear for so long, something switched completely um, that basically changed my entire orientation towards life, uh, what understanding of what I was. Um, I don't know how to describe this experience to anybody really, but um, I'll just say it's kind of in the direction of spiritual awakening, so to speak. Um, not necessarily a full awakening experience, but it was definitely experienced in that direction. And um, it was sort of the flip side of my panic attacks. It was all the same insights um, around death and meaninglessness. So it's funny that none of those, none of those things really went away necessarily. Um, but it was for some reason, all of these insights were all of a sudden the best news <laughs> <laughs> that could ever be given. The sense of meaninglessness was a sense of freedom. The sense of, oh my God, everything is meaningless. I can do whatever I want to do now. I don't have, it was this utter freedom. Oh my God, like, no, like it was just these very, it was basically a very freeing feeling. And it really had felt like I had just woken up from a dream and that everything in my life before this moment was a dream, including my sense of who I was. <laughs> Um, and there was just and accompanying these insights was just this profound unconditional love for everybody in my life and everybody that wasn't in my life I would just I didn't luckily didn't act upon it but I would just see these random people walking across the beach and just feel the, the most profound unconditional love for them um, and an understanding that they were they were me very literally very, very literally me um, and the joy that came uh, along with that. And I just saw so clearly that everything that I was always looking for was never outside of me. It was always inside of me the entire time. And I had been looking all around, um, trying to do all of these things in the quote unquote outer world, uh, when really everything I was looking for was actually innately inside of me. And all the things I were looking for on the outside were just sort of compensating for not being able to feel what was already internal. Um, that, that this feeling of joy and love and bliss and unconditional love and truth and clarity and um, basically contentment, wholeness, completeness, um, all these things that I was looking for were always inside of me. Um, 
and they're, they're, they just come from directly knowing myself and what I am. Um, and that, yeah, basically everything else I had done was, was just trying to compensate for not being able to access that. And I literally had just had this moment sitting on the beach where I saw the sunset coming down and I felt like I could literally sit there on this beach for the rest of my life and die right there, <laughs> however many years later, 60 years later, and uh, feel totally complete and totally content that there wasn't anything else I needed to do or see or become. Um, I just felt complete wholeness. Um, and and there, was a, there was honestly a sense that there's that, that after having such a deep glimpse, and, and when I say awakening, I can, I, I can finally understood what, why, why people had used that term, because it really felt like waking up from a dream, um, except the problem was, like, I was waking up from the dream that was what I thought was my normal life. Like, when you normally wake up from a dream, it's not that shocking, because you, you know, you're like, oh yeah, that was a dream. But then imagine waking up from the dream, being in your everyday experience, and then waking up from that dream. It's like some freaking Inception shit. Um, but it really felt like that. And it was, I just, I just remember laughing, uncontrollable laughter at the whole comedy of it. That uh, pretty much this whole time in my life, I was always just chasing my own tail, basically, like chasing myself. And that uh, basically everything I wanted was right in front of my nose the whole time and just laughing at, at uh, all the things I cared about um, prior to this experience and um, just ha it was just so funny to me. Um, if I had to kind of equate it to something, it was like, I don't know, imagine you were like a, I don't know, an ant and uh, you were, you know, you've never left this like 50 square foot area of this forest and you've got all the other ants and you're always quarreling over who's going to carry the little crumb that you found from one side to the other and um, you, you know getting that crumb to the other side of the other tree is is all you care about and your whole bane of your whole existence and then all of a sudden this ant um, looks through the eyes of an astronaut at the top that, that looks down on the world and realizes what an infinitesimally small <laughs> endeavor he's involved in. It's just this, this, this amazing zooming out of your perspective on everything. And, um, and also a, a just profound knowing of um, basically yeah, the interconnectedness between all things and um, yeah basically just becoming a lot smarter. <laughs> it's like, it's like if you, and then when you, when I finally, uh, the experience was so profound um, that I was, th at the time, it was impossible for me to comprehend that this would go away. I was like, well, okay, I woke up. Like, there's no way I can, I can fall back into that dream of being this little um, voice in the head, a uh, little mind and, um, you know, fall back into all those same kind of things. I, I've seen it. I've, uh, there's no way to unsee this, right? Like, no one's going to freaking wipe my memory or something. Um, but, as expected, the mushrooms eventually wore off. I did go fall back asleep. <laughs> 
but the um, but still, although um, that state of consciousness wasn't sustainable for me at that point in time, um, it did provide me with some very profound shifts in my belief systems around what I was, what reality was, um, a, a, a very direct realization that everything I was looking for was inside of me, um, a very clear knowing that um, this sense that I had of um, you know being in the matrix and needing to break out and all these panic attacks I had, the fear of death, and all of that kind of stuff wasn't something I should be running away from. It was something I needed to be running towards. And in that moment, I also I cried in happiness at um, just the gratitude I had for these panic attacks, quote unquote panic attacks, because it, it really it felt like this fierce kind of love that just didn't give up on me, because I knew that. Let's say after struggling with these things for 10 years, they just went away, right? What I, what I wanted was them to just freaking go away. I just wanted to live a normal life, have a job that I, you know, liked somewhat, get married, have kids, do the whole thing that everybody else was doing. That's all I wanted. I didn't want anything so special or so um, crazy, you know? I just wanted to. To, to be able to live a normal life and not be freaking suffering every day. And I, I just didn't understand why that wasn't possible for me. And uh, although many other people were suffering as well, it didn't seem like, it seemed like other people were much more comfortable with their lifestyle. Whereas for me, there was a profound, profound discontentment with, with life in general, basically, that uh, was fueled by these uh, panic attacks. But um, looking back at them from this from this moment here, and and basically for every moment after that moment, is just this profound gratitude that uh, yeah it still it still gets me <laughs> uh, when I think about it for basically not giving up on me and, and realizing that these panic attacks, this anxiety, this depression, that was my ticket to um, a completely new stage of comp of consciousness with an incomprehensible um, level of basically evolution, like human, evo sort of like a next stage of human evolution, really. Um, that was basically the gift on the other side of the thing that I thought was my curse and realizing that the thing that I thought was my curse my entire life was actually the greatest gift that, that could ever have been, that was beyond my wildest imaginations. Um, and, I, and I, again, I knew that if it had gone away before, I would have probably just forgotten about it and, and just lived, you know, that, that life that I thought I, that I th thought was going to make me happy. Um, when really, this was this was what I was really wanting the whole time. And uh, I still have so much gratitude for those panic attacks for sort of being my bumpers. <laughs> If you if you using the another bad metaphor the bowling analogy when you have the bumpers on either side of the lane, those are my bumpers and and the reason I had been getting those panic attacks my whole life and certain moments they're worse than others is because the further I'd move off the lane, the the more with more force the bumpers would would try to bump me back on track by giving me this pain and suffering and hoping that if it was painful if I was suffering and painful enough I would 
stop freaking going down that path and try to course correct. But no, I misinterpreted that as like, no, I have to push harder and push, be more forceful and not give in and had that kind of uh, never give up kind of mindset that is often very, um, in, in my opinion, very overly programmed into um, American culture, this like idea of the hero who perseveres all odds and never gives up and never surrenders. And, you know, I think I had a lot of that programmed in when, when really <laughs> the best thing I could have ever done myself was just absolutely giving up, <laughs> which is kind of ironic. Um, and maybe not, maybe giving up isn't the right word, but um, yeah, just, just kind of letting go. And um, uh, yeah. So essentially, I had a very deep gratitude for these bumpers for finally bumping me back into the lane. And, um, and since then, I, since that moment actually, I have never had another panic attack. Um, and it's been, yeah, almost, yeah, been probably a year and a half or so since then, if not longer. And uh, that being said, it doesn't mean I'm on, completely on the other side of the fence but I'm definitely in a completely new um, paradigm of, of reality. And, um, and, I, and actually, I, 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 tested, <laughs> I tested things out once. I, just kind of as a test, I, I tried to go back to doing something that I knew wasn't really in complete alignment. It wasn't a bad thing. I'll, I'll talk about it more at some point. But I, I just tried to, I'll just try this for, for a few days and see what happens. Um, immediately, I didn't go into full panic attack like I used to, but immediately the, the, the anxiety, the morning anxiety started coming right back. Um, so basically that was, that was just me checking, hey, the bumper's still in place? Oh yeah, they're still in place. Um, and uh, so I've got confidence that they're still there and uh, if I do deviate off my path, they're there for me um, to make sure that I don't uh, get too far off the off the rails again um, so yeah with a, with a lot of gratitude and um, a lot of yeah I guess humbleness that I I look back on that period of my life um, and I guess this has sort of been a bit of a long a long rant but to um, summarize it and to leave you with a few questions is uh, sort of what what has been that that theme of your life, whether it's, what's that, what's that blister that just doesn't seem to go away, um, that seems to follow you everywhere. And it might not be one thing like it was for me. It could be a series of things or um, it could be, you know, doesn't have to be something related to, directly related to anxiety or depression. It could be a different type of blister. Um, but just think about what your blister is, what, what you think is that kind of like one thing that you just wish you could get rid of or sort of been the theme of your life in a way and something that you've really struggled with. And, um, and again, it might not be as uh, straightforward or as, as, as this one was, not that this was straightforward, but you know what I mean. It might not be uh, kind of one main thing. Um, but I would ask yourself what that blister is for you and um, whether it's really a curse or maybe, just maybe, it could actually be the greatest gift that you could have ever imagined. <laughs> and uh, it's just, the gift is just sort of waiting for you on the other side of that, um, of exploring and healing that blister.
Um, so I'll just leave you with that question to contemplate, you know, what is that blister for you? Um, and is, is it being persistent? Could, could it being persistent and not going away really be an act of love and grace and not actually an act of um, suffering and pain um, or hatred or a curse in the way that you might think it is? Um, so that's all for now. Hope you have an amazing day. Wishing you lots of peace, happiness, clarity, love, joy, wonder, and truth. Take care.